seven seals followed by seven trumpets and today we look at the final seven uh, judgments of God on planet earth um, and that is the seven bowls. Uh, if we were not committed as a church to study the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Uh, this is probably one of those chapters I would choose to skip. Uh, so it's probably a good thing for us that we, uh, we just keep going and we, we cover it all. The, the fun, happy, joyous, grace-oriented stuff, but we also uh, cover the hard uh, intense, gruesome, bloody uh, stuff in God's Word. Uh, it raises lots of hard questions. We started last week in chapter 15. Uh, it'd be nice just to skate around and ignore hard questions like, uh, why, God, would, would you do this? Why would you pour out wrath on the inhabitants of the earth? Uh, but the truth is, we need to have some answers for even hard questions. And uh, we'll put that verse from 1 Peter up here, but it's true for all of us. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. Um, so we need to have answers, and answers even for the hard questions. Like, what about God's wrath? And why would a good and loving and merciful God uh, do all of these harsh, intense, uh, really sobering things? Uh, we saw last week, we got some answers. Uh, in chapter 15, the wrath of God reveals the holiness of God. The, the wrath of God reveals His holiness. He is above us. He is beyond us. He is without sin. He is holy and set apart from us. Uh, somebody had to pay the price for sin. Track with me. Somebody had to step up because a holy, righteous God can have nothing to do with sin. So, either Jesus Christ will pay the penalty for man's sin, or the sinner will pay the penalty for man's sin. And the offer is for all. Whosoever will can come to Christ. But, but the truth is, the penalty must be paid. We saw last week in chapter 15, the wrath of God reveals His righteousness. His righteousness. That's the judicial correctness of His verdicts. The judicial correctness of God's decisions. He, he's always right. His standards, His words are correct. Matter of fact, it's God who sets the standards that can be trusted. If there's a question, uh, here's what God's Word says, and here's what I think, who's right, Henry, every time? It's God. God is the one who's correct. He's the one who has the righteous standards. Therefore, when God says don't do something, He's really saying don't hurt yourself. Because if you disregard what my standard is and what I've told you, here's what I'm saying, you're going to hurt yourself. So when I say don't, I'm really saying I love you enough to tell you don't hurt yourself. But many of us, uh, we have to keep touching the hot stove, right? 
I think I know better. I think I'm smarter. I, I think I, and, and maybe even we shout, I think I have the answer and I'm right and you're wrong, God. So here is the truth. When we choose to sin, you might want to write this down, we choose to suffer. Because every time we choose to think that I know better than righteous, holy God, what I'm saying is, I'm going to face the consequences. And, and that is suffering in essence. So again, it reveals his righteousness. Today in Revelation 16, we're going to see two more facts revealed. Uh, God's wrath reveals his complete and total justice complete and total justice. And then we'll also see that God's wrath reveals the dark, deep depravity and sinfulness of mankind. We're going to stand now. We're going to read the first seven verses. Uh, these are hard verses. They're, this isn't fun and skippy and easy, but this is God's Word, and we need to understand it, and we need to declare it. And let's do that out loud with each other starting in verse 1 down through verse 7. We'll uh, look at the whole chapter. You ready? Here we go. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead person, and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, You are just in these judgments, O Holy One, you who are and who were, for they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you've given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, need your help. I need your help, especially today. So uh, use these goofy and weak lips Lord, to communicate really hard and difficult truth. Lord, help us to uh, take in and begin to comprehend that terrible day that's coming. And Lord, I'm praying that we might be able to uh, start understanding just how awful that day is going to be. That's why you wrote it down for us. I pray that we might get serious about praying for those around us who we love and care about. Because, Lord, some of those folks around us, if something doesn't change, the best we know, they're likely going to face some of this awful, terrible stuff that we just read about and are going to look at in this chapter. Lord, I just want to stop and say thank you because this is a great day. Uh, we can still turn and run to you. Even though we wander and stray, we can come running back and get back right with you. Uh, we can still hear your voice. And Lord, uh, it's not too late to repent. It's not too late to run home and be with you. So we rejoice over that fact. 
I'm asking that you might wake us up this morning, jolt us back to reality, and may we get ready and be a prepared people for your return. And all of the church gathered at Walloon said with one voice, you may be seated. I uh, read about a uh, Arab follower of Jesus who was sharing about Jesus with a taxi driver. Sorry about that. My, uh, here we go. Bend it right. Uh, sharing about Jesus with the guy who was driving his taxi. And as they talked, the taxi driver explained, well, I think I may have to go to hell for a little while and pay for the sin that I've done, but I don't think I'm going to be in hell that long. I think the Lord will let me pay for the, the, the bad things I've done, but I've been a pretty good guy, so I won't have to stay there long, and then surely he'll let me come to heaven. Uh, the Christian asked the taxi driver a few questions. He said, uh, what would you think if I reached up right now and slapped you right in the face? What would you do? And the taxi driver said, um, I think if you slap me right now, I'm going to immediately pull my cab over, slam on the brakes, I'm going to order you out of my cab, and I'll probably say some really nasty things as I speed away. He said, okay. Um, what would you think if after I'm out on the street, if I just went up to a random stranger and slapped him upside the face? What, what do you think that random stranger would do? And the taxi driver thought for a moment and he said, well, uh, probably if he could catch you, he would hold you and call for family and friends to come and beat you up. He said, okay. Uh, what, what if I then went and found a policeman standing there on the street and unexpectedly I just went up to him and slapped him hard right in the face? What do you think the policeman would do? And the taxi driver smiled and he said, uh, I, I, I think you're probably going to get beat up and then thrown into jail. That's what would happen. And, and finally, the, uh, the follower of Jesus asked the taxi driver, what if I went to the king of this country? And what if I went right straight up to the king of this country and I slapped him hard right in the face? What would happen, do you think? And the taxi driver thought, and he said, you would die. You do that to the king of this country, you're going to die. The severity of the punishment is a reflection of the position of the person. Did you catch that? The severity of the punishment is in direct correlation to the position of the person who's been offended. As we read through Revelation 16, remember who's getting offended here. Remember who is being cursed at. Remember who it is that is being rejected and slapped in the face. We're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're talking about the Creator, the Sustainer, the Savior of the universe. The severity of the punishment is a direct reflection of the position of the person that's being offended, that's being rejected. Verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying, 
to the seven angels. Go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. It's like they need a little nudge. It's like, okay, we got the bowls, we're ready, and somebody has to yell at them, okay, go, time. It's like they're, they're a little uncertain. They know it's going to be awful and messy and, and bloody. Uh, so a loud voice comes from the temple uh, near the throne, and it's loud and it's ordering them to go empty the bowls. There's a little bit of uh, disagreement who the voice is, whether that's an archangel, uh, whether that's Michael, Gabriel, or maybe this is the voice of Jesus. Uh, if you pressed me, I'd say I think it's probably the voice of Jesus. He is the one who's been offended. He's the one who has been sinned against. He's the one who offered to pay the penalty, and they've rejected that. I, I, I think likely it's the voice of Jesus, um, but it could be Michael or Gabriel. We're not going to uh, lose much sleep over that. Verse 2, first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, very first bowl of wrath poured out, and the result was ugly, festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. Much like the plagues back in Pharaoh's day, back in Exodus 9, now a very similar plague, only this isn't just on the Egyptians who took the mark of the beast. This is worldwide. Anybody who took the mark of the beast has 666 on their hand or on their forehead. Uh, they now blisters oozing sores on their body, okay? All over their body, and it's bad. And uh, we know that the seven bowls get poured out. What we don't know is how quickly they're poured out. Is it like all in one day, seven bowls, boom, 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 boom? Or is it spread out over time? So this is the second half of the seven years of the Great Tribulation. So you got 42 months here, seven bowls, if it's spread out over time, it's like every six months another bowl is poured out. We, we don't know. But if that's the way it happens, by the time you get to the fifth bowl, verses 10 and 11, that's two years later. Okay. So uh, again, not told if it's quick or if it's spread out, but we just know that it's bad. Second bowl of wrath, verse 3. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it turned into blood like that of a dead person and everything in the sea dies. The oceans, that's the seas, make up three quarters of Earth's mass. So three quarters of planet Earth is ocean or sea. And it says, now the oceans of this world uh, are all bloody. You know, you're talking coagulated, really dark blood. And that's what the oceans are made up of now. Verse 3 tells us plainly the result, what dies in the oceans? Everything. I mean everything. The shrimp, the tuna, the crab, the sharks, the plankton, the marlin, the eels, the dolphins, the starfish, the whales, the stingrays, the jellyfish, the lobster. That's very sad. 
And anybody know what happens to fish when they die and they float to the surface? And anybody uh, been around fish, a large batch of fish that's been cleaned, and now it just hangs around for half a day? Uh, what happens? Every fly, every bee, every raccoon for a mile around uh, comes a running. Uh, and, and it smells. It smells awful, unbearable, unbelievable stench. And not only is this a stinking, rotting catastrophe, it's also a disease breeding ground. It's bad. Third angel, verse 4. Third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and on the springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, You are just in these judgments, O Holy One. You who are and who were, what happened to and is to come? He's come. He's here. The Lord has begun the end of all things. So, so is to come. He's here. And as we read through the book of Revelation, the is to come will become more and more clear. For they have shed the blood of your holy people, your prophets. You've given them blood to drink just as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, likely the martyrs. That's where the martyrs killed during this time were. Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Fresh water sources uh, have been turned to blood. Again, like the blood of a dead man. Can you imagine uh, the fights that are going to break out for the bottled water at Myers? Can you imagine? You know, I'm, that was my water. No, that's mine. Uh, you know, and then they would go to anything liquid that had been sealed or canned because there's, there's no more water. Everything, everything, all the lakes, all the rivers, all the springs, it's all blood. So I'm just telling you, folks are going to fight. They're going to steal from each other. Uh, there's going to be a scrum in Walmart going. Uh, family fair, it's going to be bad. Um, if you go back to 8, 9, and 11, the Lord's already destroyed one-third of the world's oceans and fresh water. Now the stakes are raised. Now uh, there's no ocean water. There's no fresh water. And verse 5 is interesting. Would you look at it? Um, it seems the Lord has placed an angel who's in charge of protecting the world's water supply. It's like we need to have somebody, a big strong angel, protecting the water source for the world. And now, this is interesting, the protector, look at the last part of verse 5, the one who's been guarding the water of planet Earth for thousands of years, he steps up and he says, Jesus, you're just and right in what you're doing right now. This judgment is appropriate. Verse 6, for thousands and thousands of years, these folks have been spreading and in shedding the blood of Christ followers, followers of the Lamb, let them now drink of the fruits of their effort. In other words, are you tracking their logic, his logic? Uh, let them now drink what they've spread and spilled all these years. Let them drink the blood that they've spilt. This punishment, in other words, fits their crime perfectly. God's wrath reveals his perfect justice. That's what this angel has to say. Fourth angel steps up, verse 
8. Poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues, and they refused to repent and glorify him. Seems like the dial on, sun's, on the sun's thermostat gets cranked way up, okay? Worldwide, the temperature goes through the roof, and everybody's getting scorched and burned. Any of you had a really, really bad sunburn? Can I see hands? Really bad sunburn. Okay, that's what's going on here, only it's, it's worse than you think, because you've already got these oozing festering sores all over your body and now you have sunburn really third degree burns all over your body you understand so surely now they know who's behind this they're they're shaking their fist at Jesus and, and yet they're just angry okay so you get really hot you're parched you're sunburned you're you're in pain what, what do you want right now what would you like uh, give me a big glass of ice water and I want to go soak in Walloon Lake. Uh, no water, sorry. And Walloon Lake, it's, it's, it's turned to rotting blood. The mood on planet Earth, what's it say? They're, they're mad. And they refuse to repent. They refuse to glorify Jesus. Fifth bowl is poured out, verse 10. Fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. That's the Antichrist. And its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony. People cursed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. Uh, back in 812, they've already lost one-third of daylight. Now the entire planet goes dark. Uh, it seems that something is causing the rays of the sun not, be, not to be able to reach planet Earth. Lots of suggestions on this. Uh, we don't have time, but lots of ideas how that could be. But it seems more than just the sun has gone dark. If you read, there was a specific attack uh, with this bull on the Antichrist. And it seems that there's not just complete darkness, but now the power grid is gone. No electricity. Verse 10, this, this is aimed at the Antichrist. He loses power. He can't communicate. Satellites go down. Uh, telephones aren't working. Computers can't get online. Faxes, no texts, no email. Are you ready? No Facebook. Oh, no. It's bad, and they're mad, and they still got the sores, and they don't have water, and they're sunburned. Wouldn't you think that they would all come now and repent and say, Lord Jesus, we were wrong. We were foolish. We chose to sin, and now we're suffering, and now we repent. And that's not what's happening. They curse the Lord Jesus, and they refuse to repent of their sin. Sixth angel, verse 12. Sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. Then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs that came out of the mouth of the dragon, that's Satan, 
out of the mouth of the beast, that's the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. These are demonic spirits that perform miracles. They go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for battle on that great day of the Lord God Almighty. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, remains clothed, so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called what? We're going to get to Armageddon. That's chapter 19. And uh, what's interesting is the way the schedule played out. Um, that's Mother's Day. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> We're actually going to take a break uh, uh, from Revelation on Mom's Day. Uh, Euphrates River, uh, mostly today, modern-day Iraq and Syria dries up, natural road for the kings of the east. Uh, and in Jesus' day, who came from the east? The wise men came from the east. Uh, Daniel, his descendants, Babylon, Assyria, uh, the Persians, Iran, Iraq. Verse 13, uh, out of the mouth of Satan, the Antichrist, the, the false prophet, uh, they lie, they deceive, they provoke the kings of the east to band together and they rush towards the valley of Armageddon, the valley of Megiddo. Um, Har, Armageddon, uh, hill of Megiddo, that's the place of battle, slaughter. I've been there a couple times. Historians, archaeologists, military men say this is the most natural battlefield on earth. Historians say this very well may be the place where more battles have been fought throughout history than any other place. They say over 200 major battles in, in this area around Megiddo. Uh, here's what's interesting. The kings think they're calling the shots. Satanic trinity, they think they're in charge. Who's putting this all together with impeccable timing? Who is it? Jesus Christ is, is like bringing all the pieces together for the battle of battles to begin. And again, we'll look at that in about a month. Uh, seventh and final bowl is emptied, verse 17. The seventh angel poured his bowl into the air, and out from the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It's done. It's done. Remember what Jesus said on the cross? It is what? It's done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake, the great city split into three parts and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great, gave her the cup filled with wine of fury of his wrath. A uh, so little bit of argument. What's the great city? A couple times in Revelation earlier, great city referred to Jerusalem. This could, look at verse 19, be referring to Babylon, the great center capital of Satan, Antichrist, false prophet. Um, I, I'm not sure. It could go either way. It could be referring to Jerusalem. Either way, we know that the whole world is impacted by the worst earthquake ever. How bad was it? Verse 20, every island was gone. Mountains disappear. We're talking awful. 
Why would the islands disappear? When there's a really bad earthquake, what happens in the oceans? Now, this would be like a giant wall of blood, right? And what would it do? You got a tsunami of a wall of bloody ocean wiping out the islands of the earth. And then, verse 21, whatever wasn't destroyed by the earthquake, huge hailstones, each weighing 100 pounds, fell on people. So, massive earthquake, massive tsunami, and now 100-pound blocks of ice rain down on earth. Um, Surely now the people are going to repent, don't you think? Surely now they're going to run to Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me, I'm sorry. I was wrong, I surrender all, right? Look at the very last line. And they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible. Sometimes God is pictured like there's these people, please let me in, Lord. I'm sorry. I won't do it. I surrender all. I, I, I repent. I've been sinful and I want to follow you. Can I just tell you, when someone comes with that attitude, Jesus welcomes them into his kingdom. But the reality here is just the opposite. These people are harsh and mad and angry. They totally reject Jesus and the cross. They totally reject Jesus paying the penalty. They're shaking their fist. They're shouting at the Lord, um, forgive me, but you need to understand how, how prof- they're giving Jesus the finger is what they're doing. In every way possible, they're letting him know, I hate you, I will not follow you, I am defiant and depraved to the end. That's what's going on here with, with the entire population of planet Earth. They are shamelessly committed to their sin and to Satan and the Antichrist and the false prophet. Um, Quickly, verse 15. Some of you, this is in red in your Bibles. Jesus says, look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Who's that written to? Like right in the middle of, of the bowls of wrath, Jesus steps up. And he's got something to say. Can I suggest to you that he's writing here to us, to the church, to the early church, and to the church throughout the ages? And and he's saying, hey, I just want you to know, I want my church, I want my father, you should be prepared for my return. I'm coming back. You, You need to stay dressed. You need to walk with me. You need to make sure you're prepared. You persevere even when it's hard. Even when it's painful, you keep walking with me. Don't quit. Stay pure. Don't be caught with your spiritual pants down. Okay? Because I'm going to come like a thief. Do thieves typically email you before they come and rob your house? Answer? Well, I'm just going to text you and want you to know I'm going to show up about 3 a.m. and I'm going to take all of your expensive belongings. Is that how thieves operate? Thieves come when you least expect it. Thieves break in, and you're not expecting it. Jesus is telling us, get busy and live strong for me, church. You're looking at what's coming, but I want you to remember, I'm coming back. Make sure you stay connected to me. And I just need to tell some of you, you do this well. I'm privileged to see many of you, you're living strong, you're staying daily connected, you're walking with Christ. When you fall in sin, you quickly repent and, 
and confess and get back right with Christ. I just need to tell some of you, nice job. Keep up the good work. Keep on persevering. And for others of you that maybe you're just kind of playing around on the edge of church and Jesus, and maybe you're just kind of dipping your foot in the pool and looking, I'm not sure I want to dive in, you know, but it's kind of fun to play on the edges. And I'm just telling you, um, there's this verse, Hebrews 3, 7, listen. Today, if you hear the voice of Jesus, don't harden your heart. Hebrews 3.15, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Hebrews 4.7, today if you hear the voice of the Lord, don't be hardening your heart. Today is a great day. You know why today is such a great day? It is because if you hear the voice of Jesus, there's still time today to do the U-turn and run and get back in right relationship with Christ and live strong for him. Don't be caught like the thief breaking into your house unexpected. And, and, oh no, I'm just telling you, today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, don't harden your heart. Here's the problem. If you hear Jesus' voice and he's saying, come on, come on back to me, come live strong for me, come, come, come stay connected and dive right in, and you say, uh, maybe later, maybe later, after a while, the voice will get softer and more faint. And I'm just telling you, after a time, you won't even hear the voice of the Lord any longer. Today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for that warning, that challenge, that plea that you gave us right there in verse 15. And Lord, I believe that's for us, your kids, your church. Thank you, Lord, for those who are part of your body here who uh, are living strong for you. Thank you for those who are staying connected and persevering and they're, uh, they're not quitting. They're daily abiding with you, good days and bad. And we give you praise for how you're working in and through them. And Lord, if there are those who uh, are playing on the edges, just kind of dipping their toes in and, and thinking they're okay because they got some fire insurance or they prayed a prayer or did something external, Lord, would you speak loudly and clearly to them? Wake them up in whatever way they need to be woken up, Lord. Draw them to yourself. This is... This is serious, eternal stuff at stake. So you, you work powerfully in each of those situations. And now, Lord, as the men come forward to receive the benevolent offering, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to give to those in the body, the church family here, as well as to those in the community who are in need. And, uh, Lord, you know that we need a leader for our needs program, so would you please raise one up in due time? That's what we're asking for. So uh, thank you for uh, these gifts that we can give generously, again, to you and your church and to reach out in our community. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Andy is going to lead us one last time in song as we close in.